0: just pause and pray. Father, thank you for those words. Thank you for the good news in those words. Father, help us to hear them and to notice what you have for us this morning in them, what you have for each of us. Help us to be open what you may be stirring in us this morning. I ask in Jesus' And in the Spirit. Amen. Well, it's good to be back in Boston and to see all is well. I wrote Pete on Sunday afternoon to see how things went Sunday morning. And Pete wrote me back, and he said, well, everyone left the church, and the building burnt down. <laughs> and I'm glad to see Pete it was just being Pete. <laughs> As it usually is. So yeah, I was in North Carolina at a retreat center receiving training to be a spiritual director. It's a two-year program, and I just finished year one. This, this retreat was year, year one finished, and it's part of, a, of an organization called Sila, which is, comes after the Psalms when you see SELA on the margins, which means pause. So the SELA pause is a big thing, and entering into silence, which we're going to be doing more of today. It's part of uh, Steve Machia's organization, Leadership Transformation, and SELA has partnered actually with our diocese, and this is the first Anglican version of spiritual training direction, uh, training that they've offered. It's been great. It's been super refreshing. I love these retreats. It's been really good for my soul, Um, but one of the things that SELA, and if you know Steve, uh, emphasize is... Noticing. It's a big thing. Noticing. Notice God. Notice what God is doing in your life. Notice His influence in your life and what that does to you. And I think this is something, if you're a new believer, it kind of comes naturally. You just notice all these new things going on in you. But over time, that noticing can wane. And so we need to practice it still. We need to be more intentional about growing in that and keep doing that. One of the things I noticed as a new believer when I was 19 was how God moved me to cry. Uh, Up until that point, I mean, through my teen years, I can't remember one time having ever cried in my teen years. I had a, a pretty hard heart. But when I opened myself up to God's influence within me, I noticed God started to soften my heart and lead me to cry on occasions that I was always surprised about. So, for example, I remember as a new believer, I had just started talking to my friend about Jesus, who wasn't a Christian, and we had these big conversations. And I remember coming home uh, one time and praying, And suddenly I just started weeping, and I was like, what in the world is going on? And I was weeping for him, and I had this love for him, and I felt, I sensed how lost he was without Jesus in so many different ways. And I thought, where in the world did this come from? (laughs) I had never weeped for a friend before. Well, now I'm convinced that was the Holy Spirit imparting into me the The Loving Tears of Jesus for my friend Miro. I remember another time as a new believer, I was praying with my younger brother, and uh, we were both new believers. And sadly though, growing up, uh, I'm the older brother, and through the years I teased him a ton. I made fun of him. I just... Uh, pushed his buttons. I just know I knew how to do that as an older brother. And at the time, I didn't think much of it. I didn't think it was that wrong. This is just what older siblings do to younger siblings. Um, Well, I was there praying with my brother and without asking for it, thinking about it, talking about it, suddenly it was as if I could feel something of those years of ridicule to my brother. It's like, God gave me a little taste imparted that to me, and it was terrible and overwhelming, and I started to weep uh, in that moment. And I asked my brother to forgive me, and he did. But again, I was wondering, where where in the world did that come from? It felt like it was imparted to me, like it was downloaded, kind of (laughs) Matrix-style. You've seen that movie. Well, again... I'm convinced that was the Holy Spirit sharing with me and parting with me the tears of Jesus for my brother. We heard in our psalm response this morning that our Lord is one who knows how to weep. It's a great line. He knows how to weep for those who are lost. He knows how to weep for those who've heard hurtful words again and again over the years. He knows how to weep with those who've lost someone and how to weep with them. He knows how to weep for all that's broken and tragic and wrong in this world. We heard in our Gospel reading from John chapter 11 this morning that Jesus wept. The backstory is that Jesus' friend, he's named as Jesus' friend, had died. And when Jesus had heard about this news, eventually he sets out on a journey to go to the tomb of Lazarus, where they had buried him, with the purpose of bringing him back to life. Well, on his way there, he meets up, we heard, with Mary and Martha. Mary being the Mary who. Who wept on Jesus' feet and dried her tears, washed his feet with her tears and, and dried those tears with her hair. And these are all siblings. Mary and Martha are siblings and sisters of Lazarus. And they're named as people Jesus loves. So it seems like these are special, close friends of Jesus. And then we're told that this sad scene with meeting with Mary. And Martha, over the death of Lazarus, causes this emotional storm within Jesus. It says, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit. You could translate this also as groaning There's another way. In Greek, one of the words, the original meaning is of a raging, snarling horse about to go into battle. This is strong language. Jesus is not doing well. He's about to burst. Then they asked Jesus, where have you laid him? Or sorry, then Jesus asked, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord... Come and see. John starts with Jesus saying, Come and see where I stay. And now they're saying to Jesus, Come and see where Lazarus is staying. And then the floodgates were opened. And Jesus wept. And the language in the Greek is strong. He's sobbing. He's weeping. Here is the Son of Man, the human Son of Man, who shows us what it's like to be truly human. And here is the divine Son of God who shows us what God is like. And here He is weeping. If that's all you get from this morning, that would be good enough. And note, He had just called Himself the resurrection And the life. He himself is the way back to the tree of life. And he knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. That's the whole reason he came. He was about to do that. And yet, and yet, he still wept. Oh, that we learn from our teacher here. The hope of the resurrection doesn't mean we are a people who don't weep. We don't grieve like those without hope. Our grief is different with hope. But we still grieve. Because our Lord grieved. Because there is much in this world that has yet to be redeemed and made right. And so we weep. We should weep because Adam and Eve ate from that tree because we have all eaten from that tree and there is still much death and corruption all around us and so we should still weep and so Jesus weeps here he knows also how to weep because he he doesn't just cry he laments To lament is to do more than just cry or complain or question. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. To lament is to turn our cries and our questions, our confusion, our sufferings, and turn those into prayer, to bring them to God, as you see in so many of the psalms, it's to bring the hard things to God and to call him to notice, hear my voice, pay attention to this suffering, God, and do something about it. We heard in the psalm, it's, it's to cry out from the depths, whatever those are, to the Lord. It's to ask him to hear our voice, the sounds of our cries, and to help, to to fulfill his promises that are yet to be fulfilled all around us. To lament, it's to grieve with God and with hope in God in all the not-yets of this age and of our lives. An important practice for Lent And this is what the Psalms give us. This is one of the gifts of the Psalms, especially the Psalms of lament that are scattered throughout the Psalms. And this is what Jesus embodied, especially in his Passion Week, which we're coming up to next week. When it comes to the Psalms of lament, as James Mays put it, Jesus, quote, speaks their words, experiences their feelings, and undergoes their sufferings. Augustine goes even further, and he says the one speaking to God in the Psalms is ultimately Jesus. And so to lament with the Psalms is, in a way, a way to lament with Jesus. It's to join our sorrows and our sighing with his. And therefore, also, to enter into the hope of resurrection joy. Because with Jesus, the pattern is always cross and resurrection. As one theologian put it, in Christ God weeps with us so that one day we may laugh with him. Back to the the story of Lazarus. We see here an example of how Jesus laments. One example here of how Jesus expressed lament in this situation. And so, what it might look like for us to learn from him, to, to lament with him. So, how did he do this? Well, obviously, he didn't just ignore what was wrong, he didn't just uh, emotionally detach from what was wrong or harden his heart to it. He also didn't just power through the hard thing. He Lamented. He became greatly disturbed in spirit, deeply moved. He wept. He, he let himself feel the tragedy. And I think over the years we can build up a resistance to doing this for a variety of reasons. Sometimes the tragedy is just too much. Too much for one heart to hold. Other times it's because, well, we just, we just don't want to lose control. We like being in control all the time. Or we're afraid maybe of what other people might think of us, that we're not as put together as they think. Or maybe we think it's a sin or a sign of weakness or a pathology or something. But Jesus shows us the better way. Jesus shows us both the human and divine way, the appropriate way to respond to tragedy that with Jesus always leads to greater life with us and with each other and greater glory to God. And that is to be disturbed by it. To maybe even be angered by it. To weep over it. Lament is to do these things, though, before God and also with each other. To lament is to to grieve with God and his people, trusting the whole time that he sees and hears it all. Did you notice in the reading... Jesus weeps, then he, moves, he gets them to move the stone away, and then he prays this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. What did the Father hear? There's no recorded prayer in this story of Jesus praying at least with words to the Father. So what did the Father hear? Well, according to the Psalms... <laughs> The Father heard the groanings of Jesus, that emotional storm of Jesus. He heard the cries of Jesus. Throughout the Psalms, you hear these refrains Hear my groaning, Lord, hear my sighing, hear my crying. And then also, Lord, you heard my cry, Lord, you hear my cries. And Jesus is joining that, Lord, I thank you that you have heard me, with or without words. There's those times when we pray, and all we've got is that emotional storm. All we've got is groaning. All we've got is tears. And that's okay. That's prayer. And God hears that. Reminds me of, a, of the film Gravity. If you've seen this, and Sandra Bullock's character, she, she's this character who's she's in outer space, lost in space, close to death, to, close to dying, everything's falling apart, and all her lifelines have been tried, and she's come to the end, and she turns to one more lifeline that she's never tried before. Prayer. And then she says, but no one ever taught me how to pray. And she's there, and mostly she's just crying. And then this tear comes down her cheek and releases and just floats through the air. And you wonder, where is it going to go? Well, God heard that tear. <laughs> and then she gets the mercy she needs and the help eventually in a bizarre way. But God heard her tears. And sometimes we enter... a And not just a time of prayer when we don't have anything, any words to offer. Sometimes we enter a season, and we've got nothing. Someone shared with me recently how they just come out of a season like this, where these difficult things came upon her, one after the other with no relief. And she got to a point where she couldn't pray anymore. She had no words All she could do was look at an image of Jesus on the cross and weep. She said God heard her cries and gave her the comfort of the Holy Spirit in those moments. That's prayer. We might find ourselves in such a season and when we do, that with God and in Christ we can trust eventually we will have words to say with Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you heard me. When we do that with Jesus, we can trust eventually we will come to know the resurrection joy. It's coming. As the hymn puts it, as the hymn puts it, with tears and laughter, Shared and blessed, the desert yet will bloom. We can notice one more thing before I just mention a few ways we can practice lament, because we need to practice this. We can notice when that Jesus, he didn't just lament over the tomb of Lazarus, right? He rolled away the stone. He did something about it. So we're not called just to lament over the the things that are tragic in this world. We're meant to act. We're meant to figure out ways how to roll the stones away from people's metaphorical tombs. That's what lament should move us to eventually. But first we just need to learn how to lament, I think. (laughs) And we need to practice it. And I think we need to practice it in times when We're not going through a hard time. So we can draw on those things we've learned uh, and and we can draw on those and do those when when the time comes, like we see with Jesus. He had obviously memorized these psalms of lament and drew on them in these crucial suffering moments he was going through. So one way we can practice lament is go back to the psalms. Go back to the psalms of lament. Those ones that they start with some kind of Grief, some kind of question, some kind of sorrow, and they express this to God. Get familiar with these psalms. Pray them with Jesus. Notice how Jesus prayed these psalms in his Passion Week coming up. And then practice your own lament. We can do that oursel- by ourselves with the Lord. We can do that with our friends. We can do that in our triads or neighborhood groups. This week I'm going to give some suggestions and guidelines to the neighborhood group leaders so that in our neighborhood groups this week we can practice a form of lament. We can practice that when maybe things aren't going hard or maybe when they are. So we have something to draw on. Another way you might want to practice lament is to join a future lament group these lament groups that have been happening. Anna Banks started these uh, a while back. There's a couple of lament groups going on right now, and they've been all, all for women up to this point, but we're now gonna, we're working on starting these for men as well. And basically, a small group of people, five to six people, meet together, and their first meeting we just talk about lament and what it means and what's gonna happen. But every meeting after that is a lament service. And there's a liturgy with prayers and scripture and songs and artwork to interact with. But each lament service is given to one person's lament story. Where all are heard. There's no counseling. There's no advice. There's just lifting this up to God. It's a way to practice lament, which I'm so encouraged is happening in our midst. Another way to practice lament is to practice it communally in the body, in gathered worship, in Lent, and Advent, our ideal times to do that. And so that's what we're going to do today during the prayers of the people. So Heather Kaufman and a few of us have tweaked our prayers of the people to put them in a more lament form, which you know, starts with a grief, something you're lamenting over, and then it turns eventually into a a petition asking God to do something, and then it moves into an affirmation of trust and thanksgiving in God for what we're anticipating from him. So Heather's going to lead us in these prayers, and we want to take time with these prayers and what we're going to do here. So this service may take a little longer depending on what happens, so I I just ask you to be okay with that because we don't want to rush this. But as Heather prays, she's probably going to pause in the middle of some of these prayers where she feels it's appropriate, just to give some space, some silence. And she's going to end each prayer with silence to let us enter these laments and to let them enter us and to see if something stirs within us so that after the prepared prayers are are over and it's time for us to express our own lament, we can express maybe something that's been stirring with us in us Silently maybe, or in tears, or with words, if that's what we're being led to do. So we're going to give time for that. Trusting. God notices every expression of prayer, whether it's silent or out loud, no matter how articulate or inarticulate it is. We can trust with Jesus. We know he always hears us. We know, too, with tears and laughter, shared and blessed, the desert yet will bloom. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of lament that we find in the Psalms. Teach us, teach us, Lord, how to lament. Teach us how to lament in your Son, and him in us, as we turn to you, and to him, and to one another. Amen.